Good afternoon, and welcome back to the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. I'm so glad to have you back today. Um, it's been a minute since I've recorded an episode, and I apologize for that. You know, sometimes life gets busy, and, uh, you know, you have to make priorities and make decisions about what decides, uh, what deserves your time, and when, and how that happens. So, a lot of times for me, it's my absolute intent to do at least one, two, three podcasts a week, but sometimes that doesn't happen. But other times I'll do three three or four episodes, maybe even five episodes in a week. So you just never know. But I'm glad to have you back. Um, hopefully the year is, is progressing well for you. Uh, we're now in June and, um, you know, we recently had um, Memorial Day. Um, and just kind of to mention about that, um, I regularly offer discounts to veterans and um, their families for life coaching, holistic mental health services, uh, health and wellness coaching, small business coaching, all the services that me and my practices offer. So uh, I did create a special for Memorial Day. I always do one for Independence Day, for Veterans Day, for all those days. So if you know someone who is a veteran, or a, a relative uh, of a veteran, um, a family, immediate family member of a veteran, let them know about my practices uh, and that they can get an additional discount here. And the discount that they get is not just the regular discount that, that I'm offering right now, which is you know $100 off initial consultation sessions and up to $100 off ongoing coaching and therapy sessions, but it's in addition to that. So um, that's, I believe I announced that on my Facebook profile. So if you look up uh, David Wright on Facebook. You'll see me. You'll see the discount. You'll also see it on my Facebook groups, uh, the Grow, capital G-R-O-W, all caps group, which is a public Facebook group. And then also Fresh Start with Dr. David Facebook group and the New Balance with Dr. David Facebook group. And those two are private, but they're there. And they're also on my practice pages, I believe, on Facebook. So I am offering discounts to veterans. That's something I normally do. Uh, and also to first responders. Um, so if you know somebody who could use some help, some meditation, some hypnosis, some strategies for kind of decompressing from life circumstances, be it, you know, wartime circumstances or just regular life circumstances uh, or, you know, the circumstances that uh, first responders and police officers and such have to deal with, let them know about me and my practices. I'd be happy to help them and offer them a discount and thanks for their service. So just wanted to say that. Um, like I said, I hope that the year is progressing well for you. Um, this year is flying by and there's so many different things that are going on right now. Um, as I'm sure you've seen in the news and even some of the news stations have made a lot of changes, which I'm, I'm guessing maybe you've even noticed that too. Um, I'm not going to really talk about it a lot here, but you know, everybody's kind of noticed some of the changes that are going on with some of the major news stations. And I think that's just kind of a sign of the times. I think things are changing in this country rapidly and even more rapidly than I think we realize, which I'll talk a little bit about that today, but I'm also going to do a future podcast about it as well. Um, let me just share some of the upcoming podcasts. So today's podcast is about decision-making and priority setting. And I'm going to do just kind of a shorter version of it today. I'm just going to dive into it a little bit. I'll probably do a follow-up episode later on and, and be more specific about it. But today I'm going to be talking about decision-making and priority setting. And there's a reason why I'm talking about those together is because they go together. 
one directly affects the other and vice versa. Uh, in order to make better decisions, you have to prioritize your time and your behavior, your activities. And also by making priorities and setting priorities, you're going to make better decisions. So the two go hand in hand. So today's episode will be about decision making and prioritization or priority setting. Then I'm also going to do, as I've been promising, an upcoming episode about COVID-19 pandemic and other viruses that are being talked about now, specifically in the news and uh, in the health and wellness um, kind of industry and sector. Uh, including the new one, um, the metanumovirus, that a lot of people are talking about. But I'm going to talk about that and some other viruses. I've kind of put that off just because it's such a big topic. But I am going to dive into it, uh, hopefully maybe even later this week. So we'll see uh, how my schedule goes. But I, pr- I plan on recording another couple of episodes this week. Uh, so one of them might be that. But the, the, the series on viruses and things is probably going to be a two or three part series. So that's kind of why I kind of delayed it a little bit. Um, I'm also going to do an episode or a couple of episodes on AI and emerging technologies. It is my belief that AI is more dangerous than a lot of people realize it. I think a lot of people just don't get it. And I hate that that's the case, but I honestly believe that is true. I think AI is changing things. And I think there's a reason why, as I think I've mentioned in other um, podcast episodes, there's a reason why all the huge technology founders and builders and titans are saying, hey, we need to put a six-month moratorium on AI and stop it. Unfortunately, it's already out of the box. Once you opened up Pandora's box, you can't close it. (laughs) Just like when you start messing around with viruses in labs, you create stuff, you can't take it back. It's going to get out of the lab sooner or later, Uh, (laughs) which I'll be talking about when I do the podcast on the COVID-19 pandemic and what I think is going on around the world And I don't know how we're going to put a stop to it because I guess the big question, especially when it comes to coronaviruses and and COVID-19 and other viruses like, you know, the bird flu virus, which a lot of people don't realize that was also created or manipulated in a lab. Uh, That was way back in what 2011. Um, As you can check when you um, if you look up Dr. Sanjay Gupta's uh, special uh, on the COVID-19 pandemic, he talks about all those things. So um, I'm not talking about any things that other people haven't already mentioned, but I think I'm going to offer some opinions and solutions that you may not hear in other places, which is the whole purpose of the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. But I will be talking about that. But also, like I said, we'll be talking about AI and emerging technologies. I think that in a lot of ways, what you see in, see in science fiction movies going back in the past tends to become true later on. If you look at stuff like, you know, things like Star Trek and science fiction stuff, a lot of the stuff that was presented in Star Trek is actually available right now. Uh, and, and a lot of people aren't aware of it or they just don't think about it much. Like the ability to beam things from one place to another, Right. You can't right now, I don't, to my knowledge, we don't have the capability, the technologically, the technological capability to beam a person uh, or an object or a entity, um, depending on how you define that, um, from one place to another. But to my knowledge, we do have the ability or, or 
a country has the ability, uh, an Asian country has the ability to beam particles from space back to this planet. And so a lot of things that used to be considered highly futuristic uh, cell phones, um, you know, uh, things for diagnosing conditions, medical treatments that used to be science fiction are totally true now. And now AI is around. Uh, and, and you might remember, you know, the movie, The Matrix, the whole Matrix series, um, which, you know, was recently they added another episode, another series to it. The fourth Resurrections, Matrix, which I didn't think was very good, but that's a whole different topic. But anyway, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you see or you've seen in the past, like Terminator and, um, you know, iRobot and things like that. A lot of that stuff is becoming true. There are robots and there are robots in factories and they're, you know, all that stuff is becoming true. And in my opinion, in some ways, if we're not really, really careful, and, and I think in a way, in a lot of ways, we've already proven that we don't know how to be careful when it comes to things like that. I think it's going to sp spell our own destruction. I think we're sowing the seeds of our own destruction. And I think a lot of people just aren't going to hear it. They're not going to listen. And the I ironic thing about the whole thing about all the people who are coming forward about like who, you know, we need to be a halt on this and we need a moratorium for six months on AI and all these things is a lot of the people coming forward saying this benefited, profited financially and otherwise from creating this stuff. And then after they benefited and profited from it, then they turn around and go, oh, well, we need to think about this. We need to put a stop to this. And my question, you know, from just kind of a psychological standpoint or psychoanalytic or psychodynamic standpoint is how come they weren't that voracious about it before they benefited from it? So it's I just think it's ironic that, that people come out with these things and they try to come forward and say, oh, well, we need to put a stop to this. We need to put a stop to this uh, bad person or this politician. He's dangerous now, but they supported him in the past. Or we need to put a stop to this technology that they created and benefited by millions or, you know, who knows how much money from. And so I, I think there's just a disingenuine, genuine, genuineness that goes along with some of the things that people are saying uh, and doing in relationship to AI and emerging technologies. But anyway, we'll be doing a full episode about that. Uh, I'm really kind of passionate about that topic, so it should be pretty in-depth. Um, and then I'm also going to do a podcast that I've been kind of uh, putting off but thinking about for a long time about some of the plight that small business owners like myself are uh, having to endure. Um, as a lot of people are, uh, know, a lot of restaurants failed during the pandemic just because they had to shut their doors because we were in an emergency state of sorts. And, but restaurants weren't the only things that failed or suffered since COVID. A lot of small businesses are, and, you know, you see all these, com these commercials that talk about, oh, well, you know, you're entitled to a refund up to, you know, we've gotten millions of dollars for different businesses if you have four or five or more W-2 employed. But, you know, a lot of small business owners like myself, and in my case, you know, I have five small practices um, that are kind of interrelated but separate. Um, I do everything for myself. I mean, everything. Every phone call, every email, every appointment request, every everything for my practices. I do it all myself. 
and I don't have a bunch of W-2 employees, but the the measures that Congress passed um, helped a lot of medium and big size businesses, but they didn't help sole proprietors like myself. And as you may or may not know, I mean, there are a lot of business owners just like me where they're the only, they're everything. Um, but in a lot of ways, minorities tend to be more businesses where there's just one employee. And I just think it's interesting that in terms of a lot of things uh, and funds, it seems like in a lot of ways, a lot of small minority businesses are being overlooked again. Uh, and I, I just see that happening over and over again. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to talk about that in the in the episode that I do on small business owners. And I think also AI and all these emerging technologies and all these big companies and all these monopolies and things like that are gonna, also going to suffer. And one of the things that I'll mention during that podcast is is a lot of the ways that we failed to learn from history. There used to be uh, pretty, I guess, decent in- enforcement of the prevention of minority, uh, mon- uh, I'm sorry, not minorities, monopolies in this country. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And, um, you know, companies keep merging uh, and combining over and over and becoming powerful, more and more powerful. And in the end, pretty soon, that's all that's going to exist. And there's not going to be any small mom and pop places like me. We're just not going to exist. It's going to be just online stuff, virtual stuff, and large companies. As you may or may not recall, there used to be tons of grocery stores everywhere, independent grocery stores. Where are they? They're disappearing because of companies like Walmart. And I have to do some research, which I may or may not do before that episode. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see if you look at news stories uh, and other data that came out during the 80s and 90s when Walmart was kind of on the rise and see what they had to say, what what local grocery stores had to say when they couldn't compete with Walmart. And if you look at, I'd love to know the number of independent family-owned, probably, grocery stores that disappeared during the 80s, 90s, up until today because of big retailers like Walmart and Whole Foods and Kroger uh, and etc. Um, I can only imagine, only imagine. So that's another episode I'm going to do. Uh, I'm also going to do a big episode uh, uh, on healing from trauma, loss, and grief. I think bereavement is really, really important these days. I think there are a lot of people who are sad, depressed because they've lost a family member, a relative, a friend, a coworker during COVID. I think our country in a lot of ways is still in the grieving process because of those things. That doesn't seem to be talked about a lot. Um, and I think there's still a lot of there's still a lot of uh, leftover kind of traumatic remnants from the pandemic, which we're still kind of dealing with. But I'm going to do an episode where I talk about healing, healing from loss, grief, just the bereavement process. And there's a special session that I offer in my office that you can get if that's something that affects you. And I've had several clients who've come for that session and they were really, really, really impressed with it. They loved it. And I think that they got a lot of healing from it. Uh, and I could see them getting healing from it during the session. Um, and and basically what I kind of have created, it's kind of 
some of the steps that I use in my practices, across my practices, that I think are important to beginning the healing process. And those steps that I came up with are the following. Awareness, acknowledgement, acceptance, appraisal, and agreement, right? That's kind of my formula. And I'll talk more about that. That's just, that's not something that I copied from anywhere. That's something I originally came up with. Those are the five beginning steps of healing from trauma, loss, grief, the process of bereavement that I came up with. Um, and I'm going to expound upon those. If you look up grief, the stages of grief, you'll come up with the basics, right? And those are available everywhere. If you look up, if you do a Google search for the five stages of grief, which comes from the Kubler-Ross model, uh, they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. There are other models that show a seven-stage process of grief, right? And they show seven stages. Those are shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, uh, the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, and then acceptance and hope. And there are a couple of other models. There's a four-step model. Uh, there's a 10-step model. So there are multiple models, but I wanted to create my own model not necessarily for all the stages of grief, but the beginning stages of healing from grief. And for mine, those were awareness, acknowledgement, acceptance, appraisal, and agreement. And I'll talk more about those during that episode. So um, I'm happy to share those with you. But let's dive into today's topic. Um, and like I said, if you haven't done so already, please, please subscribe to this podcast. Please positively rate it. And please share it with others, right? Subscribe, rate, and share, please. I really, really appreciate it. So let's dive into today's topic. Today's topic, uh, I'm talking about uh, setting priorities and decision-making. Um, one of the reasons why I think it's so important to talk about that, and I actually do have sessions, specialty sessions in my office that you can come and get, if you feel like you're not making good decisions or you're having trouble or you're conflicted about how you make decisions, we can do a special session to address that. And if you have problems with setting priorities or setting boundaries, you can do a specialty session on that too. So most of the things that I talk about, you can do a specialty session at my office. We'll get to the root cause of why you're doing it and then we'll work through it, right? Um, and I think that's, that's kind of my method of helping people move forward. Identifying the root cause of why you're doing something or thinking something or feeling something, you know, analyzing it and then moving through and past it, right? Um, so that's kind of what I do. And so feel free to visit the website, www.mlcoga.com or www.atlantacoaching.com. And then you can request an appointment and then we'll go from there. But let's get into the topics of uh, setting priorities and decision making, right? Um, so let's just start with a question, right? I'm kind of somatic, so, uh, Socratic in how I kind of approach things. But what is decision making? Um, we hear that all the time, but a lot of people don't define it, right? Decision making, decision making is when you as a sentient, rational, hopefully, being um, entered the process of coming to an end point or a starting point, right? That's what decision-making is, right? When you make a decision, you're basically 
agreeing to move forward in one way or another, right? And that decision might be to do nothing, right? That could be a valid decision. Um, now, you know, some folks might disagree with that, but the decision not to do anything or to leave it alone is a decision. It's a valid decision. Um, and it, the decision that underlines the decision to not do anything might be acceptance. You know, you might just say, you know what? I just accept things the way that they are. And that's my decision. And that's valid. I think that's a, a really important thing. Um, like I shared just a few minutes ago, I, I'm a strong believer in the power of acceptance, right? The power to acknowledge things, to become aware of them, to appraise them, to agree about what it is uh, and acceptance. I think that's part of the communica communication. And I think that's what makes some people better communicators is their ability to gain acknowledgement, acceptance, agreement, and to raise awareness, right? So we talk about that all the time when we talk about marketing campaigns and things like that, raising awareness. That's really, really important. But in terms of decision-making, decisions allow us to move forward. That's what they do, right? I just kind of define what they are. But decisions allow us to move forward or stay where we are or even move backwards in one way or another, right? Generally, when we think about decisions and decision-making, we think about decisions that allow us to move forward, right? Or to move past something, right? And so it's kind of like a checkpoint. I, that's what I kind of look like, look at it through the lens of a checkpoint, right? Uh, if you're in a race or you're along a certain velocity, or along a journey, then a decision allows you to stay along that journey or to switch to a different journey or to switch to a different pathway or to turn around or stop or do something else. So decisions allow us to, to move forward in one way or another or move in one direction or another and then hopefully be more content with our, our, our journey, right? That's what they allow us to do. Uh, the way that priority setting is related to that is because... We are all tasked with having to make a ton of decisions all the time. And I can tell you, I'll go into this a little bit. It's becoming harder and harder for us to make decisions because if we have more and more competing variables that are affecting our ability to make decisions. But basically, we have to set priorities because we can't decide everything all at the same time. We just can't do that. It's just too much, right? Um, and so... By setting priorities, you are allowing yourself to make better decisions because that allows you to focus on each decision individually, right? Um, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like if you decided to go to dinner and you went to a restaurant and you were forced to, as soon as you sat down and took a look at the menu, you had to make a decision within five seconds or forfeit dinner. You know, you could say, well, I want everything. Well, then you're going to end up with a, I don't know, a $3,000 bill. Or you could just say, I want nothing. Or you could just shout something out, right? But you're not going to end up with a good result because you weren't given the time to make the decision, right? Now, if you have an hour or you have five minutes or 13 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes to make a decision on the menu, then you can do something different. And there's a reason why, generally speaking, you go to a restaurant they ask you what you want to drink. Then they ask you if you want an appetizer. Uh, and then they ask you what your main course is or kind of that kind of sequence, right? Because they're setting priorities. They're saying the first thing that we needed to make sure that you 
have when you sit down is water and a menu, right? And after that, then we'll get you something small. And then after that, we'll give you a big entree. And then after that, we'll talk about dessert, right? And then everything else in between. But there's a reason why the first priority is finding you a seat, giving you a menu so you can make decisions and providing you with water, right? Because maybe you traveled far and you're dehydrated. That makes sense, right? It's just a part of hospitality. But so when you go to a restaurant, priorities are already kind of set and you kind of know what those are, right? That that you'll present to the maitre d' or the host or whoever, that you'll hopefully be seated pretty soon, that you'll get a decent table, that you'll have some water so you can stay hydrated, so that you can order something to, else to drink if you want a, a beverage or a soft drink or tea or whatever. Uh, so you can order a salad or an appetizer. And then so you can order dinner and then possibly dessert and then pay your bill and get out of there and get back to your home or wherever. But that's kind of the the priorities that are set when you go to a restaurant. Well, life is like that, too, in, in everything that we do from the time that you arrive at your office every day or when you arrive home. Right. And that's kind of we, what we do. We set priorities based on importance, hopefully. Now, everybody doesn't have the ability to do that. Uh, and you, if you look at their lives, sometimes it illustrates that a lot of times people have the wrong priorities or they refuse to set any priorities at all. Right. But by setting priorities, you're allowed to make better decisions. And, you know, from this example, in terms of going to a restaurant, you're probably going to make better, a better decision about what you want as your main entree for dinner. If you, number one, have time. And then number two, the sequence of events is that you get the other things done, like what you want to drink and have a seat and all those kind of things. That way you can focus on what your main entree is going to be, right? Um, so that's where those two go together. Um, I'm going to go a little bit into decision making, and then I'll go a little bit more into setting priorities. Then I'll kind of go back and, uh, about why the two are so important together. And then I'll talk about how to make better decisions and how to set priorities, right? And I'm also going to allude to this for people who have my book, uh, my second self-improvement book, Tomato Bis for the Brain, which is on Amazon, of course. There is a chapter where I introduce a system called the ROS system, and that stands for Rank Order System. And it's a system that I created that's really, really easy. If you ever created a timeline in school or an outline in school, specifically probably more of an outline but if you've ever done that then it'll be really really easy for you to use that system but it's an ROS system uh, rank order system and it's a system that's going to help you set priorities and make better decisions right um, and to plan things out which is what you want to do you're going to end up with better results if you plan things ahead and you're going to be able to plan things better once you set some priorities and then make some decisions, right? So that is in the book. I can't remember which chapter of Tomato Bitch for the Brain it's in, but do check out the book. And like I said, uh, like I've said previously, if you order a physical copy of the book uh, from Amazon, um, then I'll gift you an audible version um, that you can listen to. But there is a system in there called the ROS system, and it's going to help you in terms of setting priorities and making decisions. Let's jump in a little bit into decision making. Um, so why is it so hard to make decisions? Well, let me talk about it from a couple different standpoints, right? Your ability to make decisions is based upon the neural networks that you have in your brain, right? That's how you make decisions, neural networks, right? And that's also kind of the basis of AI, right? But neural networks is how you make decisions, right? And you've been developing those 
neural networks over time, right? One of the reasons why it's hard for younger people to make decisions is because they don't have the neural networks or they're just developing them. So it is totally true, which is why parenting and the methods that you use to parent are so important is because your children, your adolescents, your teens, your young adults, um, your adult children will make decisions based off the neural networks they have. And depending on the age and the level of maturity that they have, they may or may not have the neural networks in place to make decisions. But here's the thing. There's this thing called experience, right? And learning. So as you grow and as you're exposed to more things and as you make more decisions, you become better at it. That's how neural networks are created. So that's one of the very reasons why, uh, if you check out the presentation that I did for Amerigroup Insurance, about parenting and about discipline, that's one of the reasons why I'm against corporal punishment is because things like corporal punishment, hitting physical things like that tend to damage those neural networks. So anyway, I'm not going to harp on that, but just realize that your child, your teen, your adolescent, your young adult, your adult child um, you know, regardless of age, that they're developing neural networks. And we continue to develop those as we get older. And when we get really, really good at them, we call it wisdom, right? That's what it means to be wise. And that's why when you look at some of the historical figures associated with wisdom, like, you know, maybe Socrates or Plato uh, or Aristotle or uh, Confucius, or I could go down the line, those people generally were older because they had some time to develop those neural networks. So here's the thing. The more things you're exposed to, the more experience you gain from life circumstances, the better you should be at making decisions. But here's the caveat. That's only if you made decisions during those interactions and experiences. If you just observed other people making decisions, you're not going to be as good at it. Will you learn something from it? Absolutely. But the more, the more you actually are involved in making those decisions, the more neural networks you're going to create and build and expand, right? So decision-making is really about neural networks. And the more experiences that you have making decisions, and that's why you kind of give people more and more accountability and responsibility as they get older, right? As they grow up, uh, because that they start to gain the capacity to do that as their brain grows and as those neural networks begin to be created, expand, and then evolve, right? So that's what decision-making is all about. It's about neural networks. And your brain uses algorithms or different parts of your brain work together to create algorithms upon which you make your decisions, right? And what you do with your body and what you expose your body to tends to affect those decisions, right? And we see that when people consume alcohol or use marijuana or use, you know, mind-altering substances like uh, coffee or Adderall or things like that. And we see how they affect the brain, right? We also see how supplements and vitamins and things like that can actually help in those situations too, right? So decision-making is all about using neural networks and the algorithms associated with different parts of your brain working together to come to a solution. That's what decision-making is. And like I said earlier, in terms of 
setting priorities, the reason why it's so important to set a priority is because that allows you to make better decisions and to focus on one decision at a time or a few small decisions at a time, right? Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, when, you know, somebody does a news conference, when they have these news conferences where that seem to happen every day now when there's like a mass shooting, and, you know, and after they've concluded the main information they want to present, then they start taking questions. And then they try to create an orderly flow because otherwise there are 100 people shouting out questions at the same time and nobody can understand anybody. And that's when they they put up, you know, hopefully a PR person or the communications person for the police department or whatever out front. And they pick one person at a time to post questions and then provide answers if they're available. Uh, that's the same kind of thing. So when that person comes out in front of everybody and starts taking questions from specific people in, in the order, hopefully <laughs> that, that people raise their hands or whatever, or that they notice they're setting priorities. We do that too. We set priorities on, you know, the importance of things, whether it's, you know, the foods you eat or the people you hang out with or how you use your time. I did a whole episode on time management where I talked about time. Um, so setting priorities is also a time management activity. It's a time management step. So setting priorities allows you to be more managerial about your time, more efficient about your time, um, and those types of things. Uh, and it also allows you to make better decisions. The tough thing about setting priorities is now we live in a world where there's so many priorities that are similar, it's tough to choose between them. And that's why I recommend that people check out the ROS system that I created because it makes it easier. But one of the reasons why people have trouble setting priorities is, well, number one, we live in a world where you can have everything all at once and all at the same time. So why is there a need to set priorities when you can just instantly pull up anything on your phone or instantly get anything or it's instantly available? Part of the reason why people are losing the ability to set priorities is because we live in this world of instant gratification. And that's a whole separate episode that I'll talk about. But one of the reasons why it's hard and it's getting harder and harder to set priorities these days is because the distinction between different priorities is getting smaller and smaller in some ways, right? So you have more shades of gray. That's another way of putting it in terms of setting priorities. Um, you have so many things that are close together that it's hard to pick one or the other. And, you know, when you come to my office, I'll show you how to make it a lot easier to do that, right? There's some exercises that I created to allow people to do that. And those are especially good for people who have pro problems with attention, focus, concentration, people who are affected by distractions and things like that. So there's some activities that I've created in my office to help people with ADD and ADD type symptoms in order to move past those symptoms without medications. And that includes things like helping them with decision-making, helping them with setting priorities, and ordering things according to rank to make it easier. But one of the reasons why a lot of people are having more and more trouble setting priorities these days is because of competing interests, right? Uh, and those competing interests tend to be very similar in nature. Uh, and that makes it hard, right? Uh, an example of that, okay, there's a if somebody asks you to choose between a shade of blue as your favorite, it would be easy maybe hopefully pretty easy for you to choose between let's say you know red and blue most people can choose which there is their favorite color between red and blue right but it's going to be more difficult if i said well choose between 
royal blue and navy blue, right? Maybe a little bit harder. It may be difficult for you to choose which is your favorite between, I don't know, powder blue and navy blue. But you you might have a, a you know predilection or a, a bias towards a deeper shade of blue versus a lighter shade of blue, right? Uh, sky blue versus navy blue versus powder blue. But even if you could choose, let's say, navy blue uh, over powder blue, what if I said, well, choose between sky blue, baby blue, and powder blue? Well, that's more difficult because powder blue and baby blue are pretty close. They're not that far away, really. Uh, and then you add in all these other shades of blue, like, you know, gosh, indigo and periwinkle and... Uh, I mean, there's so many shades of blue, it, but it gets tougher. And you can see how that kind of happens in, in life. Uh, and as we are given all these other instant kind of choice options, as time goes forward, it's going to be harder and harder for us to make decisions because we're using platforms that are making decisions for us. And that's another thing that makes it harder for us to make decisions and set priorities. The more you use technology to do it for you, the tougher it is. Because making decisions or decision-making and setting priorities or priority setting, those are muscles just like anything else. And the less you use them, the harder it's going to be for you to exercise them in the future, right? Um, so that's the, the thing about those things is in many ways, technology, AI, automated services, things that bring about instant gratification and, and make it so we don't have to use our mental muscles, uh, and in, even in a lot of cases, our physical muscles, but specifically our mental muscles, those things are crippling us, right? And they're making it harder for us to prioritize, make decisions, attend to things, focus on things, and concentrate, right? And like I said, there's also the factor that there's just so many competing in interests, uh, uh, things for our interests these days, it's hard to focus on one, right? There's just too many. Uh, and that's increasing as well. Let me uh, talk about uh, kind of the connection between setting priorities and decision-making a little bit more, and then I'll wrap up, right? So in terms of decision-making and setting priorities, the thing that you want to do first is set priorities, right? And you rank them, right? Which, which is my most important priority, right? Uh, and then after you set that priority, then, or a, a set of priorities, then you go down the list and make the decisions, right? And it's up to you whether you start with the hardest things to decide or the easiest, right? If you start with the easiest, you can knock them out really, really quick. If you started with the most difficult one, then you may delay all the rest. So it may be in your best interest to start with the small ones, but it just kind of depends. And, you know, once you kind of use this system a little bit, you'll kind of be able to go back and forth between things that are harder kind of priorities to set and things that are easy priorities to set. But the more you practice at it, the better you're going to be at it. But the, the, the interrelation between setting priorities or priority setting and making decisions or decision making is that the more priorities that you set, the easier it is for you to make decisions and make sound decisions. So those two are directly related. But one of the first things that you want to do is decide what your priorities are, right? And the, your priorities might be based on a lot of things. They might be based on your time. They might be based on your values. A lot of times people 
set priorities based off their boundaries, right? Or, or their values, right? Or a lot of different things like that. But a lot of times it comes down to their values or what's the most important pressing matter at the time. So that's kind of how that works. Um, I'm going to um, kind of start wrapping up, wrapping up this session. But what I want to do at this point is do this, is recommend this. Uh, and this is something I'm going to also talk about when I do the episode also on AI and emerging technologies. It is my belief, it's my belief, that you will be better off in terms of making decisions and setting priorities if you create some boundaries about the things that you allow to gain or distract your attention every day um, and also your reliance upon technology and other things to make those decisions for you. So if you increase the number of things that make decisions for you and set priorities for you, and you increase the number of things that are distracting you from those priorities and decisions, it's going to be tougher and tougher. And so one of the ways that you can help yourself and benefit yourself is by continuing to use those mental muscles associated with setting priorities, decision-making, time management, and just kind of setting boundaries on things. Um, and once you create a system like that, I think it's, it's going to make it, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to set priorities. The other thing that's going to benefit you too, is just kind of the experience that goes along with it. Once you start setting priorities in certain ways and making decisions in certain ways, it's going to become more automatic for you. And it's going to be easier because you've created those neural networks. So kind of to wrap up setting priorities, decision-making those types of activities, are largely dependent on kind of the neural networks that you've created due to your experience of life. And the more experiences that you have, the better that you're going to be at setting priorities and making decisions, especially if those experiences involved you actually making the decisions yourself instead of somebody else making them. And the, the, the best example of that is as a child gets older, or matures, you allow them to make more and more decisions that allow them to influence or direct their results in life. Another analogy that I'm going to give about that is this, and this is just kind of an example. Um, this might be biased in some ways, just in terms of my own thinking. And if it is biased and I make a mistake, I apologize for that ahead of time. But I also want to make this analogy. Um, that I think is an important one. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a cultural one. I think, and I'm not going to, I'm going to, I was on the line of, on the fence about whether or how specific I was going to be about this, but I'll be kind of vague about it and, and let you kind of figure it out on your own. Uh, because you know, there probably is some degree of bias that I have about it, but here's what I think. I think that in some cultures, they are better at delegating larger and larger degrees of responsibility and things like that at a younger age than other cultures are. Um, and I'll just kind of restate that again. I think some cultures and maybe even ethnic groups, et cetera, are more likely to give their children as they grow, emerge and evolve more decision-making abilities and things like that. And 
I'm specifically going to allude to one specific thing that I would kind of recommend to kind of kind of parents in general is is this. And this is a very practical one related to money, right? And and specifically to the process of of dying and bereavement and loss and um the passing on of wealth, right? Generational wealth. Um, but this is just kind of what I think. I think it's a huge mistake for people to wait until they're about to pass, right? Or reach old, older, older, older age in order to start sharing um, assets and wealth and things like that with their children. And here's the reason why I think this, and, and you can kind of contemplate this on your own and do some of your research on your own, but it's this. If you are aging, right? And let's say you reach the age of, uh, I don't know, 80. And your child reaches, the your oldest offspring, let's say, reaches the age of 60. If you wait until, and let's say you pass at the age of 80, right? That's a pretty long life. Um, and they inherit what you owned at the age of 60. At the age of 60, they probably won't have a lot of energy or motivation or enthusiasm or drive or any of those things to do a lot with the money, right? What you'll learn or notice if you pay kind of attention to certain cultures is certain cultures start introducing things to their children in their 20s and 30s and 40s. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a millionaire and you're worth $100 million that you just give your 25-year-old kid $30 million. That's not what I'm saying, right? But what I'm saying is that you should start introducing or sharing or investing is the word that I like to use in your children in their 20s, 30s, and 40s while they still have the drive, motivation, energy, and enthusiasm and hopes and dreams to do something with it. If you wait until they're 60 or late 50s or 70s even for a parent who had children at the age of 20, and they die at the age of 90, um, then that person is going to lost. They're not going to be able to do a lot with the money. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is when I, you look at different cultures in terms of how they generate wealth and pass on wealth, they do it differently. And for groups that have trouble doing that or at a loss or a deficit in this country, and you can kind of do the math on your own about which group I'm talking about, right? Um, it's, it's, it's one that I'm very familiar with. It's this, if we don't change how we do that, we're going to keep staying behind as a group. Now that doesn't mean that certain people and certain groups or cer certain individuals won't, or certain families or whatever, however you want to say it, won't get ahead. But I think as a group, it's going to be harder, you know? And like I said, it's not a situation where I'm saying that you should just hand over all your wealth to your 20 or 30 or even 40 year old kid. You shouldn't do that. That's just not a smart strategy. But what you should start doing is investing as much as you can and at a comfortable rate for you while your children, your adult children, still have the energy, enthusiasm, drive, and motivation and dreams to do something with the money, right? And that would be in their 20s, 30s. 40s and maybe even 50s but that would be in that age range right so and obviously 
that is a decision-making process. And the reason why I brought that up is because it's a good example. In order to grow and become more successful, you have to make better decisions. And you have to kind of look at things and look at other cultures and what they do and what maybe other cultures don't do and kind of bridge the gap in order to change the narrative. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. <laughs> I didn't expect to take this much time. I had planned on doing this in 30 minutes, but I went a little bit longer. That's okay. But I hope you enjoyed this episode about setting priorities and decision-making. Those are things that we have to do on a daily basis, which is the reason why I thought they were important to bring up in a podcast episode. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't already done, done so already, please subscribe rate and share this podcast if you've enjoyed it with others please do that that's the only way it's going to grow uh and be sure to check out the past the past episodes that i did about some of these topics including the one on time management and the one on creating boundaries if you create more boundaries and you strategically learn to manage your time you're going to be better suited to set priorities that are going to allow you to make uh better decisions that are going to bring out the better results and outcomes that you say that you want. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thanks for tuning in again to the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.